بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد فقد قال الله سبحانه وتعالى في محكم تنزيله بعد نعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولنبلونكم بشيء من الخوف والجوع ونقص من الأموال والأنفس والثمرات وبشر الصابرين الذين إذا أصابتهم مصيبة قالوا إنا لله وإنا إليه راجعون أولئك عليهم صلوات من ربهم ورحمة وأولئك هم المهتدون Sadaqallahu al-Azim. My dear respected brothers and sisters in Islam, respected elders and young friends and students, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Indeed, all of us in this life, that the short life that we have been sent in this world, are undergoing a test and a trial. And there is no one who is exempt from this test and trial. And this test and trial that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes various forms and shapes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes tests through blessings, through health and wealth and prosperity to see if we will be grateful to Him and offer shukr to Him and recognize that He is our benefactor and bow our heads down in gratitude to Him. And likewise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes tests His slaves by bringing adverse conditions upon them. And this is not something that should, we should be frightened of or we should be unaware of. Rather, this is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in very clear, unambiguous, clear terms has promised us with emphasis. In the ayah of Surah Al-Baqarah that Allah has I have recited in front of you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions with emphasis and taqeed, وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ I will definitely and most surely test you. بِشَيْءٍ with some you know, we might get scared, so right away the first word he says, Bishayin, with a little bit. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows how much we can bear, He will not test us beyond our limits. He says, Bishayin, with some khawf and fear, and jua hunger, وَنَقْسِمْ مِنَ الْأَمْوَالِ وَالْأَنفُسِ and decrease in life and fruits, مِنَ الْأَمْوَالِ وَالْأَنفُسِ وَالثَّمَرَاتِ life, wealth, and fruits. But give the glad tidings to those who remain patient. Of course, this last week's, the rhetoric against Islam and Muslims has been reaching unprecedented heights. We have not seen the like since after the 9-11 attacks. And this is a time where many Muslims are soul-searching and they are getting confused and they are being frightened especially for their children and for their women, for their family members. How will we continue to practice our deen? What should we do? So there are many things that we can do to elevate the situation, make it better. But before we come to those steps, the first thing is that we have to stop and pause and realize that one thing which is non-negotiable for us, we should not even put on the table, or consider is that a person falters in his deen and stops practicing his deen because of these conditions. We have to remain strong under all trying circumstances and we should gain inspiration from Rasulullah and the Muhajireen and read their history and see how many sacrifices our noble predecessors underwent for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala far worse than just the, the fear that we might be feeling. This was an actual reality for them. 
how they were tortured in Makkatul Mukarramah. And we can gain inspiration from the virtues that Rasulullah has mentioned for those people at the early times, and he also included us, those will come in the end times. Rasulullah has said that Bada'a al-Islamu gharibah wa sayaudu gharibah Islam began as a very strange concept Something which was new, something which was unique Something which was against the norms and against the convention of the people Wa sayaudu gharibah And a time will come when it will again begin to be regarded as something very strange and foreign When it began, it was began in the land of shirk in the center of shirk where the entire economy revolved around shirk the economy of the Meccans and the Quraysh was really tied up with the revenue they would receive from all the different idols and the people would be coming and giving different offerings to the idols and as the caretakers of the idols of the 360 idols in the Kaaba they would be making huge profit that's why they said أَجَعَلَ الْآلِهَةَ إِلَهُ وَاحِدًا إِنْ هَذَا لَشَيْءٌ عُجَابٌ how can this Muhammad make all the gods into just one god? This is something very strange. How are we going to survive? It's a matter of survival for us. So this is a very strange concept when it began. La ilaha illallah, believing in the tawheed, believing in oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was Bada al-Islam al-Gharib, a very strange beginning. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave victory to Islam. Within a few years, the Fath Makkah occurred. Makkah became a capital of tawheed once again. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala united the entire Arabian Peninsula under the banner of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And Islam began to spread in the east and the west. And it became the dominant way of life. It became easy to practice the deen. Skipping over that period of time, in those centuries when Islam was the dominant way of life in the world, we had the Banu Umayyah Khilafah, the Banu Abbasi Khilafah, the Uthmani Khilafah, all these great true Islamic states. Islamic State itself has become a bad word. Unfortunately, they were true, genuine Islamic States, not uh, bandits and, and murderers who call themselves an Islamic State, who have, do not have any sanction from any ulama or any scholarly body, but are denied by everyone. Those who are misinterpreting the ayats of the Qur'an, those who are modern reincarnation of the Khawarij and the rebels in the time of Sayyidina Ali who are complete anarchists, not, these Islamic, not this Islamic state, but the genuine Islamic states were there. And the time of prosperity was there. It was easy to follow the deen. Because a person would be going along with the way of life that was dominant in the world. It was very, very easy to practice the deen. But then Rasulullah said, وَسَيَعُودُ غَرِيبًا A time will come when once again it will become very difficult to practice the deen. So then Rasulullah linked the people in the beginning era and the people in the last era. And he said, Fatuba lil So glad tiding and Bashara and glad tiding for those who are considered strangers by others. Those who others fear or hate. Those who are in the early times and those who come in the end times. They are those who, are, who will be holding firmly to my sunnah at the time of the fasad in the corruption in the ummah. So this demarcation of that those who are in the early times have a higher status, likewise those who will come in the end times is given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in different ayats as well. 
For example, in Surah Al-Hadid, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لا يستوي منكم من أنفق من قبل الفتح وقاتل أولئك أعظم درجة من الذين أنفقوا من بعد وقاتلوا That those who accepted Islam and spent in the path of Allah and strived in the path of Allah before the conquest of Mecca, their status is at another level, much higher than those who accepted Islam after the conquest of Mecca. Those who came later can never equal the former. Number-wise, those who accepted Islam in the beginning were very few. Only 313 Sahaba participated in the Battle of Badr. Only 700 Sahaba were in the Battle of Uhud. Very few in number. And after the 8th year of Hijrah, when Rasulullah conquered Makkah, and then when he comes in the 10th year of Hijrah, there are 124,000 Sahaba. Where did this 124,000 come from? It is because many, many tribes were waiting and watching what is going to happen. They're sitting on the fence. They saw that the Quraysh were defeated. They saw there are two powers. There are people who believe in the old school of uh, old school of old methodology of shirk in Makkah, the mushrikeen, and there is this new religion with their leader Muhammad in Medina, They saw that in the battle of Badr, the people of Medina won. Then they saw in the battle of Wahid, the, the mushrikeen won. Then they saw in the battle of the dish, the Muslims won. So they're watching this going back and forth. And they said, let's wait and see who wins. And then we'll join the winning side. So it'll be easier to be with the winners. And finally, when Rasulullah was granted the Fatih Makkah, then, وَرَأَيْتَ النَّاسَ يَدْخُلُونَ فِي دِينِ اللَّهِ أَفْوَاجَ You saw the people entering the fold of Islam in large, large numbers. Because it was now easy. It was not difficult. In the beginning, it was very difficult. You had to go against the consensus of the people against the society, they were treated as outcasts. This negative campaign and propaganda and this uh, wrong portrayal of Muslims and being given wrong names and, uh, and being mistreated and being lumped together, all of these things are not a new phenomenon. This happened right from the beginning. We don't have to get scared and say this is something new that we are facing. No one was as popular as Rasulullah sallallahu No one was as beloved to the Meccans as Rasulullah sallallahu Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu was known as As-Sadiq al-Amin, the most truthful, the most trustworthy. One time when they were having a big debate, which actually was going to end up in a war, when they were rebuilding the Kaaba, 10 years before the prophethood of Rasulullah sallallahu when he was 30 years of age, and the whole battle and that was about to start was just regarding a very simple matter, but they were taking it out of context and making it a matter of their honor, is that who will have the privilege of placing the Hajar al-Aswad back in its place during the reconstruction of the Kaaba. And the different tribes of the Quraysh were ready to fight. And then they actually brought skulls filled with blood, and they dipped their hands in the skulls with the blood and they took it out and they said, we swear on the blood of our forefathers, we will die and we will be slaughtered, but we will not allow anyone to put the, the stone back besides our tribe. This is their condition. Somebody proposed a very random proposal, uh, solution. He said that, how about this? We don't know 
we are all sitting here. They were sitting in the Daru Qusay ibn Kilab, Daru Nadwa, the house of Qusay ibn Kilab, the forefather of Rasulullah sallallahu His house was the meeting place, it was the parliament of the Quraysh. They were sitting there in the Daru Nadwa. They said, whoever is going to be the first person who enters into Daru Nadwa after we decide now, the first person who just happens to come inside, whatever he says, we'll decide. Does everyone agree? We'll make him the arbitrator. Now who's going to come in? No one knows. The randomness of it just appealed to their barbaric minds. The, they said, that sounds so great. That's such a stroke of genius. Whoever comes, we all agree. Could be anyone. Could be a slave. Could be a master. Could be a leader. Could be an ignorant person. They said, whoever is the first person, no one has cell phones. No one has an opportunity to contact anyone. You're just sitting here waiting. Whoever comes in first, we'll just go with whatever he says. It just so happened that who was the first person entered was Rasulullah wasallam. So unanimously, they all exclaimed, رَضِيْنَا Amin." We are all pleased with the most trustworthy person, of course. And then Rasulullah told all the leaders of the different butun of the Quraysh, of the different sub-clans that grab the sides of a sheet, all together pick up a big sheet and place a stone in it. And together they all walk towards the Kaaba. And then he picked it up, biyadihi sharifa, with his own noble hands and placed it. So they loved him and they honored him. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the command to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you know, the command started first, وَأَنذِرْ عَشِيرَتَكَ الْأَقْرَبِينَ Warn your family members. Then, لِتُنذِرَ أُمَّ الْقُرَى وَمَنْ حَوْلَهَا Then you should warn the people of the city of Mecca and the surrounding areas. Then finally, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ إِنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَيْكُمْ جَمِيعًا Say, O mankind, I have been sent by Allah for your guidance, all of you, all of mankind. So when he was commanded to invite the, his family, he invited them to a feast. And he gave them a feast and then he gave da'wah towards Islam. They all rejected him. Only Ali radiallahu anhu was a young boy. He stood up and he said, I'm very weak and I'm a young boy, but I will support you, O oh my cousin. Then Rasulullah was ordered, invite the people of Makkah. So he climbed onto the Mount Safa and he said, Ya Sabaha, which was the battle cry when the, so a warner uh, had to bring the attention of the people and he would call out like that. So the people ran out and he said, I'm standing at such a vantage point, I can see behind the mountain and you cannot see. He gave them this physical representation. And he said, if I tell you that there is an army behind this mountain ready to attack you, would you believe me? They said, of course. You are Al-Mukhbir Sadiq, you are the truthful narrator, you are the person who has, we have never seen you ever lie. Then he said, نَذِيرٌ لَكُمْ بَيْنَ I'm warning you that if you do not believe in the tawheed, the oneness of Allah, there will be a grave punishment in the hereafter. Just like I'm in a position here to see what's behind the mountain, likewise, I have been informed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I see that which you cannot see. So believe in me. Now the most beloved person, what happened? Abu Lahab, right there, in front of everyone, his own uncle, said, تَبَّتْ لَكَ سَائِرَ الْيَوْمَ لِهَذَا جَمَعْتَنَا That may you be cursed the whole day. You have gathered us for this futile talk. So Rasulullah was classified as, as by some as sha'ir, some as a poet, a mad poet, majnoon as a crazy person, and kazab as a liar, kahin as a fortune teller. All of these are rejected in the Quran. It is not a statement of a poet. Very few of you are believing. It is not a statement of a fortune teller. You are not taking heed. Very few of you take heed. 
I'm telling you, this is the revelation from the Lord of the worlds. So he was called all these things. He would be inviting towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in, in, in Makkah, giving da'wah towards Allah, and he would be behind him, would be Abu Lahab and the enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala attacking him in his personality. So these attacks started and were far more severe upon Rasulullah sallallahu and the Sahaba than we can ever imagine to face. They were boycotted for three years in the shape of Abi Talib, that no buying, no selling, they were expelled. As some political leaders have made comments that they should not be allowed entry. They said those who are citizens can stay in the country, but those who want to come from outside cannot come. Here Rasulullah is a born citizen of Makkah. He has more right to Makkah than perhaps we have right here. He was from the Banu Hashim. He was Muhammad sallallahu bin Abdullah bin Abdul Muttalib. Bin Hashim, Bin Abdul Manaf, Bin Khusay, Bin Kilab, Bin Murrah, Bin Ka'ab, Bin Luay, Bin Ghalib, Bin Fahar, Bin Malik. The descendants of Har bin Malik are the Quraysh. He's a Qurashi, he's a Hashimi, he's a Muttalabi, Abdul Muttalabi. He's from the most noble family of the Quraysh. Yet he was not only said you can he was boycotted from by the Quraysh, sent out by the Quraysh into the valley, him and his family, the Banu Hashim and the Banu Muttalib as well. No one is allowed to buy from them anything, sell them anything. And they did not have any food. They were, the children would be crying from hunger. They were underwent such great torments for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, Rasulullah said, I have been tormented for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in such a manner that no one has ever been tormented for the sake of Allah. No one has been tortured like me. I have been threatened for the sake of Allah in such a manner no one has been threatened like me. Uh, and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, People be tested based on the strength of their deen. If a person has strength in his iman, then the test will be increased even further. So, the severest trials are upon the Anbiya Muslim, then those next in rank, then those next in rank. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Do people think that they will be let go without any test in trials regarding their faith? We have tested and, and put to trial people before them, and Allah made it apparent who are those who are true in their faith and those who are liars in their faith. So this is something that has happened. The test was before too. Tested in good times to see whether we have shukr or not. Tested in bad times to see whether we'll have patience or not. Test is always there. The nature of the test changes. So alhamdulillah, they were successful in that. And they gave us a standard to follow till the day of judgment. That we should never and ever, ever waver in our faith, lose our iman, lose our practices of our deen, because of what other people are going to say. That's the first thing. Rasulullah sallallahu has given Bashara. He asked the Sahaba question, Ayyul khalqi a'jabu ilaykum imanan. Who do you think has the most beloved iman in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Whose iman is most beloved to Allah? So the Sahaba said, Normally they would say Allah, Rasul, Alam, Allah and the Rasul know best. But here they were asked and then they were told to come up with something. So they tried and they said, Al-Malaika, perhaps the angels, Iman is most beloved to Allah. Then Rasulullah said, وَمَا لَهُمْ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ وَهُمْ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ Why would they not believe when they are with their Lord? 
They said perhaps the Prophet's Iman is most beloved to Allah. Then Rasulullah said, Why would they not believe when the Wahi is, is being sent down upon them? So then, third option, they said, Is our Iman most beloved to Allah? He said, Why would you not believe when I am amongst you and you see the signs of revelation upon me, you see the miracles with your own eyes? So then, whose Iman is most beloved to Allah? He said, a people who will come after me They will not have seen me They will find the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala They will believe in it without have seeing me Their iman is most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Subhanallah One time Rasulullah sallallahu was sitting with the sahaba And he said Awaddu an ara ikhwani I would love to see my brothers So naturally the sahaba felt Jealous and all of a sudden they say We are your brothers Ya Rasulullah Are we not your brothers Who, We are ready to sacrifice our lives for you What you take from us is more beloved to us Than what you leave behind Fidaka abi wa ummi Ya Rasulullah Is the common refrain of the sahaba That may my father and mother be sacrificed for you Ya Rasulullah We love you more than our fathers and our mothers More than our lives And now you are wishing someone else this is like a husband loves his wife or wife wants the husband to love her and if he says I wish for someone else how they will be hurt, how the spouse will be hurt likewise, they felt hurt, they said which other brothers are you looking for then Rasulullah said La, but antum ashabi no no you are not my ikhwani, you are not the brothers I am referring to, you are my ashab, you are my companions ikhwani alladheena yatuna min ba'di yu'minuna bi wa lam yarooni my ikhwan, my brothers, the ones that I'm looking forward to meet and greet and hug and give them the drink from Hawd al-Kothar and embrace them on the Day of Judgment, they are those who will come after me in difficult times. They will believe in me even though they have never seen me with their eyes. They, have, they will believe in me even though they have not seen me. So this is just the first step that I want to talk about. There are a number of steps. What are action items to do? But the time is now ended. Uh, just with the first step we will continue this discussion inshallah in the, in the coming days in the different events but the one thing at least if we learn this one first lesson in, in today in Jummah inshallah and remind ourselves is that in these times of trials we have to remain steadfast Rasulullah had prophesied that a time will come that it will be more difficult to practice the deen kalqabidi al jamarah like a person holding a live burning charcoal. Live charcoal, you're holding it, how hard it is to hold it, you would wish to drop it at every second. So difficult to hold. Likewise, it will be difficult to hold in my sunnah. But those who, can, who do so and persevere on the sunnah and have istiqamah, their reward is also much greater. Because the reward is based on the level of sacrifice. For example, sitting here in the house of Allah. The house of Allah is Ahabbul Bilad Allah. Most beloved place on the surface of the earth in the eyes of Allah is the house of Allah. If we recite, La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lahu lahul mulku wa lahul hamdu yuhyi wa yumitu biyadihi al-khair wa huwa ala kulli shayin qadir. You will receive one reward for this. But this same kalima that I just recited, this tawheed and this tasbih and tahmeed, takbir, it's very comprehensive dhikr. This same dhikr, if you recite it in the marketplace, uh, many of those ads for different du'as they comes, Do you want to become an instant millionaire? Recite this du'a in the marketplace You will receive 
دس لاکھ نیکیاں مل جائے گی رائٹ ون ملین حسنات ون ملین حسنات ٹو ریسائڈ دس تصبیح ان دا مارکیٹ پلیس ویز رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم ہے سیٹ اب غض البلادی ان اللہ اسواقہ The most despised place on the earth in the eyes of Allah is the marketplace. So reciting the dhikr in the marketplace is more rewarding than reciting the dhikr in the masjid. Why is that? How is that, how is that logical? In the masjid you make, dhikr, you make wudu and you come in the house of Allah fi buyutin adhin Allah wa anturfa'a wa yudhkara fi hasmuhu. The purpose of the masjid is to, it has been permitted to be erected to remember Allah. So you do the dhikr in the right place, one good deed. You do the zikr in the marketplace, you get one million good deeds. Magnitude of, multiplied to one million. So basically the simple logic behind this is that in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what can you do here? There is no show going on. There is no television screen with, there are television screens but there are different ads on there for the masjid. There is no live entertainment. There is no musical uh, session going on, entertainment session. This house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you see the names of Allah around you. And you see the masjid, and you see the musalla, you see the mihrab. What else are you going to do? So your action here is in accordance with the environment, so it's one good deed. Whereas in the marketplace, people are selling their wares, they're inviting towards dunya and material. You, in the place where the dunya is being praised, the material is being praised, people are saying, buy my product. There are ads with maybe half-naked women advertising different products all around you. Over there, in that place, you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is... The reward is much greater. Just like the ibadah of an old person versus a young person. The person who has all the shahawat, there's all the needs, physical needs, and all the glittering of the world is attracting him. But he remains chaste and pure in his youth. And he worships Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, worships the person who's already halfway into his grave. And all of his companions and brothers and sisters and cousins and colleagues and classmates have all died. He's left alone from his generation. He knows his death is about to come around the corner if he remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Of course, the ibadah of the youth, of the young person, is far more valuable in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So likewise, the sister who's wearing hijab in this environment, it is not ba'id that we expect from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, she, might, she will receive more reward than the sister who is wearing the hijab while making tawaf of the Kaaba. Keeping in mind the fact that the ibadah done in the haram is multiplied, hundred thousand times but the reward of the amal doing, being done here can be multiplied millions of times we saw the one hasana is, becomes a million when it's done in the marketplace so yes it is difficult and yes you might be fear you might be afraid but this should not let us waver in our practice become weak in our practice because if it does because these tests that come they're either of two types Either it's there to elevate our status, like I spoke about the Anbiya and the Sahaba, to elevate their status. And also it can be a test and trial as a form of adab from Allah. How do we know is this an adab of Allah upon us? Is if we lose our practice, then this is an adab. The same word ibtila comes. For example, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَاسْأَلْهُمْ عَنِ الْقَرْيَةِ الَّتِي كَانَتْ حَاضِرَةَ الْبَحَرِ إِذْ يَعْدُونَ فِي السَّبْتِ إِذْ تَأْتِيهِمْ حِيْتَانُهُمْ يَوْمَ السَّبْتِهِمْ شُرَّعًا وَيَوْمَ لَا يَسْبِتُونَ لَا تَأْتِيهِمْ كَذَلِكَ نَبْلُوهُمْ بِمَا كَانُوا يَفْسُقُونَ Ask the Yahud and the Jews of Medina about the people who lived by the sea when they had the restriction from Allah, they cannot fish on Saturday. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that on Saturday, on the whole day, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, 
the fish are nowhere to be seen. They just go on the bottom of the ocean. They're fishing, fishing, cannot find them. But on Saturday, what happens? All the fish, they come up and they're jumping in front of you. And enticing you, come, get me, grab me. But you're not supposed to. You're not, your hands are tied. You cannot fish on Saturday. They come, they come abundantly on Saturday, but they're not coming on the rest of the day. So what happened? What is this? This means it's hard to practice the commandment of Allah. Why is it made difficult upon them? Just for Allah Ta'ala was having fun with them, trying to make it difficult. No, Allah says, This is a form of adab. This is a form of adab. Because of their fisk and their transgression and their disobedience to Allah, as a form of a adab upon them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested them by making it difficult to follow the deen. And they failed in that. One group failed in that and they faced the adab of Allah. One group was successful. Those three groups are mentioned in the Quran. So if the practice of the deen becomes difficult and a person fails, then that means that this was an adab of Allah upon the Muslim ummah. Whereas if a person is successful, that means this was there to elevate his status and make him amongst the beloved ones. Maybe that these difficult times be a means of elevating our status rather than being a means of adab upon us. How will we determine that? By our response, by our own action. Will we remain steadfast or will we let go? Will we change our names, change our identity? And you know, do what type of surgery is possible? Change the skin of color of your skin. What are you going to do? How far are you going to go to erase your identity to become someone else? People are ready to do that, or will we remain steadfast? So this is one thing that we have to do. Second thing beyond that is how do we combat? Inshallah, uh, this is very important. This is not the end of the discussion. This will be continuing tonight, 7:30 Isha. Inshallah, we'll have a very very important discussion about how to counter Islamophobia. What are some of the steps we need to take? And we cannot remain quiet anymore on the sidelines, just minding our own business. We have to become active in responding to these attacks against us. So what are some important, important steps we need to take? This will be a very important session, 7.30, inshallah, Isha Salah. Immediately after Isha Salah, over here, inshallah, we'll have that program. After that, inshallah, we'll have a youth qiyam as well, where the youth from the community from 16 to 25 are invited to stay overnight till Fajr. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for all of us to remain steadfast in these times. Jazakallah. Let us pray sunnah.